Bible says we experience fullness of joy in His presence. But in His presence are pleasures evermore. And it says we enter into His presence with thanksgiving. In a lot of times we end up thinking we enter into His presence by receiving. And there's the place for receiving, but there's the place for entering in by making the confession of things. I remember this, the Lord has been resting on me with this understanding this year in a, in a fresh way. Because praise is a sacrifice. It's something that we have to choose to do. And I teach one of the things I do in Kansas City. Is I teach a lot of young people. You know, we have a school of about 700 students. And uh, from, you know, about 30 different nations. And a lot of them are between the ages of 18 and 25. And they're going through all kinds of issues. And I have to encourage them every day to thank the Lord. And I did an experiment this year. And I often just have us all sing together in the Spirit. Or sing with our spirit. We're always called to pray and sing in the spirit. You know what the opposite of praying in the spirit is? Praying in the flesh. So there's praying in the spirit or praying in the flesh. I always want to be praying in the spirit. Because only the Spirit can help me in my weakness. But there's also praying with the Spirit. Paul talks about praying with my Spirit as well as with my understanding. And you've got to activate your Spirit to pray sometimes. When you pray with your Spirit... You are engaging your spirit man with the spirit of God. And I love to do that in my meetings. Just spend time worshipping with our spirits. And I tell you the spiritual atmosphere changes. My students when I forget to do it they'll beg me can we just sing with the spirit for a while. Suddenly the atmosphere changes. Because when we pray with our spirit we're singing mysteries to God. But I did an experiment this year. And I spent a few classes where we just gave thanks to God. Where we spent 15 to 20 minutes shouting out one phrase, prayers of thanksgiving to the Lord. I used to do that in the 80s in church meetings. <laughs> We'd all just shout out individually our prayers of thanksgiving to God. Something amazing happened. 
We went for about 20 minutes. These 18-year-olds have never done this before. Thank you, Lord, for your spirit. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of standing before you. Thank you, Jesus, for the righteousness of the blood. And just one by one, there was this chain reaction of thanksgiving. You know what happened? The Spirit broke in with such presence. And the joy of the Lord began filling the room. And I realized we were entering into this principle. We had entered into that place of fullness of joy through thanksgiving. Through our choice to give him thanks, he had given us access to his manifest presence. And in case it was a one-off, I did it several times, and every time the same thing happened. And I mean, these kids, some of them looked so depressed when they came into class in the morning. They were angry with their roommates. They were in crisis over their finances. All kinds of issues going on. But after 15 minutes of Thanksgiving, they were intoxicated with the presence. Praise is the power of heaven. Thanksgiving is the doorway into his presence. Because what we are doing when we give thanks to God is we are positioning ourselves to agree with truth. Instead of agreeing with lies. The power of the enemy over our life is directly proportional to the power of agreement we have with him. Revelation chapter 12 says the accuser of the brethren accuses night and day the saints. He speaks lies night and day about the nature of God and the nature of our identity. And his number one goal is to get us to agree with him rather than to agree with God. And to the extent we agree with him, he has power over our souls. But when we choose to agree with God, it opens up the heavens over our lives and releases the blessing of God over our circumstances. So I want to encourage you to agree with God through praise and thanksgiving. I'm going to talk more about that tonight. But I believe that the foundation of what the Lord is doing in raising up prayer across the earth is about us agreeing with who God is. People think we're crazy for doing 
24/7 bread. Folk tror vi er ganske sprøde for at vi gjør 24 timers bøn og lovprisning. People go, that's a bit extreme, isn't it? Ah, folk tænker, ah, det er lidt ekstremt. I know prayer is important, but night and day prayer, that's a bit extreme, isn't it? Ja, lidt ekstremt, altså, men dag og natt, det blir lidt ekstremt, eller? Beloved, what would happen if there was night and day agreement with God in every place on the earth? Men folk er svaret, hvis vi har evigt med Gud dag og natt. We want an open heaven. Det vil være en open heaven. But if an open heaven comes when there's agreement with earth and heaven, an open heaven kommer når det er enighet, når en open heaven. And we want a global open heaven. Og vi ønsker en global open heaven. We need to see agreement with God night and day at every location of the earth. Kommer vi sammen for at se en enighet med Gud der vi er? What will it look like when His name is agreed with in praise and thanksgiving in every geographic location? Og så er det sagt ud, hvis vi var sammen og var enige om ham, der vi var sammen med lovprisning. And the promise of the word is it will happen in every tribe and every tongue. Og ordets løfte er at det vil ske i på hver stamme og sted på jorden. Malachi 1.11 from the rising of the sun to its going down, the name of the Lord will be praised. The name of the Lord will be great among the nations. It's not just a statement that there are going to be prayer meetings. Det er ikke bare et udsagn om at det skal finde sted bønnemøter. Or worship services. Eller tilbedelsesmøter. It's a statement that earth is going to agree with heaven. Det er et udsagn om at jorden skal være enig om det himlen giver. And when earth agrees with heaven, the heavens open. Og når jorden bliver enig med himlen, så er himlen åben. And the power of Satan is cast to the earth. Og Satans kraft er kastet til jorden. Anyway, that's just by way of introduction. I was just so stirred when Dan got up and started thanking the Lord, Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord who daily loads us with benefits. Bless the Lord who forgives all my sins. Who heals all my diseases? Who crowns me with loving kindness and And I tell you what, sometimes that's a sacrifice. Because the devil is trying to get us to agree with circumstances. And the Lord is saying, Will you today agree with truth? Regardless of circumstances, will you agree with who I am? Will you agree with what I've given you? Because I tell you this, if you agree with truth, your feelings will follow your faith. And I believe the Lord is raising up a people who will agree with God on the earth. Så vi bare ene med Gud på jorden. Let's look at the at the word this morning. Exodus chapter 26. Lad oss gå til Guds ord i morgen til Adam Mosebok. I want to talk this morning briefly seven principles of a praying church. Skal snakke der i morgen om syv principper for en bedre menighet. Seven principles of a praying church. Syv principper for eller kjennetegn for en bedre menighet. And when I say prayer, I mean 
Men bostaden du vill bygga för mig. Where's the house you built for me? Vad hus du vill bygga för mig? What he's saying is this: Look at what's going on in heaven. Look at what is going on where my throne is set. I am not threatened. My manifest presence is always there. My power is going forth with unrestrained glory. There's no sickness in heaven. There's no sadness in heaven. There is no uh, accusation in heaven. He says, heaven's my throne. He says, but I want to live on the earth as well. He says, I want my presence to be demonstrated and manifest on the earth as it is manifested in heaven. <coughs> but where's the place you built for me? He says, I have a place in heaven. I have a context in which my government is demonstrated in heaven. Where's the place on the earth like that? Where's the place on the earth like that? Where I can dwell. And to Moses, the Lord showed up on a mountain a couple of times. And he shows up in his blazing glory on a mountain. First of all in a burning bush. And then he comes down on the mountain with flaming fire. Can you imagine what kind of God we worship? He touches the top of a mountain and sets it on fire. I mean, he's surrounded by fire. That's a sermon right there. The God who dwells in everlasting burnings. And he says to Moses, you approach the cloud. But don't let the people, because I'll break out against them. His point was not, I'm going to judge them vindictively. His point was, they can't handle my presence. And God's fire will break out against anything that stands in the way of his love. And the Lord says to Moses, I don't want to stay on the mountain. I love the book of Leviticus. All of you go, what? You love the book of Leviticus. I love the book of Leviticus. Because God gave Moses a pattern. And what he was saying was, until my son comes, and I make a way to dwell in your hearts, I still want to live among you. He says, but it has to be this way. If you will do these things, I can actually dwell in your midst. 
I will come up the mountain and live in the middle of my people. And the book of Leviticus is all about what it would take for God to come and dwell in the midst of his people. It's not about a God who was mean and wanted them to obey all these laws. It was about a God who could not bear to live at a distance from his people. But in the process of drawing near, he did not want to kill them all. And so he gave them something glorious called the priesthood. And he says, in the context of the people who will agree with who I am, or in the sammenhengen av folk som vil være enige om hvem jeg er, who will acknowledge my holiness and will have a symbol of that in their midst. I can dwell. Where's the house you'll build for me? And so the Lord says this to Moses. Exodus 26. He says, verse 13. 13. 13. And you shall raise up the tabernacle according to its pattern which you were shown on the mountain. According to the pattern. God has a pattern. God has a strategy. God has a structure. In which his presence can be most clearly manifest among his people. Moses saw the pattern of how God's government operated in heaven. And the Lord says, I want you to build this tabernacle according to the pattern that I showed you on the mountain. I want a representation on the earth of what is going on in heaven. And in Moses' day, it was summarized in this statement in Leviticus chapter 6. The fire on the altar shall never go out. The fire on the altar must never go out. Because what God had shown Moses was, my government operates in the context of perpetual praise. Now there were two altars in Moses' tabernacle. There was the altar of the burnt offerings and there was the altar of incense. And the altar where the fire was not to go out was not the altar of incense. It was the altar of the burnt offerings. Because God was the one who lit that fire. And God was the one who sustained 
underholdt denne flammen hele tiden i det mennesket offret til Gud. As the praise offerings and the thank offerings and the sacrifices were offered, i det lovprisnings- og takkeoffere ble gitt. They were the expressions of people saying we depend on you, God. Dette var også et uttrykk for at mennesker sa vi stoler på deg, Gud. You are worthy of our time. Du er verdig vår tid. You are worthy of our energy. Du er verdig vår kraft. The fire on the altar was started by heaven. But it was sustained by the priests. And as long as the fire was on the altar, the presence of God was in the tabernacle. As long as the fire was on the altar, the power of God was in the midst of his people. Så lenge ild var i tabernakket, så var Guds nære i blant sitt folk. And they carried that fire even as they traveled. Og de bar den ilden også mens de var på reise. There is nothing that we can do to start a move of God. Det er ingenting vi kan gjøre for å starte en gudoppelig bevegelse. It starts from heaven. Det starter i himmelen. But there is everything we can do to sustain a movement. To keep the fire on the altar. And I believe that this pattern translates into the life of the church. In that the church was a praying church. That the move of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts was initiated from heaven in response to prayer. And it was sustained by the prayer and the worship of the saints throughout the early church. The early church was a praying church. Den første menighet var en bedre menighet. I'm going to read you a, a, a paragraph from a book by Arthur Wallace. Jeg skal ta også lese avsnittet fra en bok av Arthur Wallace. It says, the early church was without doubt a praying church. Han skriver at den første menighet var uten tvil en bedre menighet. And what tremendous things they accomplished through prayer alone. Og av alle de enorme tingene som de fikk gjennom bønn alene. Prison doors were opened. Fanatical opponents were struck down. Signs and wonders were done. But the open secret was that the early church knew the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. Not theoretically, but experientially. Those believers were mighty in prayer because they were mighty in the Spirit. And they were mighty in the Spirit because they were mighty in prayer. The early church met and overcame every crisis with the weapon of prayer. The endowment of the Spirit was the cause and the consequence of their effective prayer. Åndens understøttelse var virkemiddel og konsekvensen i bønnlivet. They prayed because they were filled. De ba fordi de var fylt. And they were filled because they prayed. Og de ble fylt fordi de ba. 
which leaves our prayer life unaffected must be at best a superficial work. It's a part of Because I read the book of Acts again. 
And I was reading the stories of revival. And I began to look and say, well, what happened in the book of Acts? Why was their shadow used to heal the sick and mine is not? Why were cities shaken when they, they preached and my best friend isn't shaken when I preach? And I came across a verse in Acts chapter 2. And I was perturbed by this verse. And the verse said this. They continued steadfastly in prayer. They continued steadfastly in prayer. It told me two things, three things. They kept praying. They prayed all the time. And they prayed together. They prayed continually. They prayed steadfastly. It was persistent prayer. They kept going until they got an answer. They continued in prayer. It was a regular part of their life. And they prayed. It was corporate. And I was perturbed because as I looked across my experience of church, I did not see corporate prayer as a priority in the life of the body. And I realized as I read the revivals in a fresh light, that was the key to every major move of the Holy Spirit. Every move of the Spirit in the Bible and every move of the Holy Spirit in history was preceded and sustained by persistent corporate prayer. Det framdrevet och understöttet av samdräktig vedvarande bön. The Lord's been just bringing me back again to this pattern in the book of Acts. Och Herren bara fortsätter att bringa mig tillbaka till att det här är mönstret från apostelärning. And I want to give you this very quickly, because we've got to move quickly now. Och jag ska ge dig att det här är ganska raskt, för vi ska gå fortsätt. Seven principles from the book of Acts. Syv principer från apostelärning. That we can learn about the pattern of prayer in the early church. How many of you want to see the works of the early church? I believe we are promised far more than what the early church had, by the way. Their, their, their ceiling is our floor. Well, their ceiling is our floor. Their ceiling is our floor, that's right. Yeah, Nato. Their level at the moment of the stop point for good. So number one. So number one. This is to leaders particularly. Prayer was a priority. Prayer was a priority. I was reading some statistics on corporate prayer in the local church. 
the majority of the church in the West organizes its life around something called a worship service. Yet the majority of what the local church does is not worship. So much effort is put into maybe half an hour once a week. So we acknowledge the priority of prayer. But how many of us that is a priority in our lives? How do you define what a priority is? It's something that's in first place. It's something that you think about first. It's something that you do first. It's something that's reflected in your budget. It's something that's reflected in your schedule. It's easy to say the first commandment is in first place. But if I said to my wife, you are number one in my life, we'll spend half an hour together on a Sunday morning. It's meaningless. It really is. Or we'll spend twice a week together. The first commandment isn't first. I'll tell you what is first in your heart and your mind. I'll tell you who is first in your heart. When you're lying in bed, when your mind is in the neutral here, what are you thinking about? That's what's first in your life. When your mind is in neutral, where does your mind go? Where does your heart go? It's worthwhile doing once in a while. Prayer was a priority of the early church. When Peter had a few minutes spare, he went to prayer. In Acts, in Acts chapter 10 it says it was the sixth hour of the day and Peter was waiting for dinner. So he says, he went up on the rooftop to pray. The sixth hour of the day was not a usual scheduled prayer time. What it says is this. It was number one in his life. I've got some time to sneak away from you. I've got some time to pray and talk to my lover. And it was in that moment that the door opened for the gospel. <laughs> because it was the number one thing. The church, the early church, prayer was a priority. It was the first thing they did together after Jesus ascended. Luke chapter 24, 53. Luke 24, verse 53. It says they saw Jesus ascend. They go back to Jerusalem. It says they were continually in the temple praising the Lord. It wasn't 
wasn't just as they went about their day. They had a schedule and they went to a place. Det var liksom ikke bare sånn at de gikk tilbake til sitt, og så hadde de en sånn tidsopplegg på når de skulle møtes igjen. It was a priority. They offered themselves in prayer and supplication. Det var et prioritet. De satte seg for å være i bønn. The move of the Spirit was birthed in prayer. Og åndbevegelse ble født i bønn. And the revival was sustained in prayer. Og virkelse ble understøttet av bønn. They went to prayer. He shook their bodies. He shook their bodies. They went to pray in Acts 4, he shook their buildings. The miracles increased, the salvations increased. They were living the dream of the manifest presence of God. But somewhere in the midst of it, their prayer life was threatened. And people were being overlooked. And the administration and the opportunities were increasing. They didn't get excited by that. They said, if we don't change something, we won't be able to pray anymore. So they shared the load with seven others. In Acts chapter 6, they said, but we will give ourselves continually to pray. It was a priority, not just in name, but in action. A survey was taken among evangelical Americans in 2006. It said the number one priority among churches is we need to pray more. In the same year, another survey was taken, which said practically it was only the priority in one out of every 25 churches. So everyone confesses the need for prayer and confesses the priority to pray, but there is a cost to take time. The apostles could not get their hands in every ministry opportunity and sustain their prayer life. And prayer is not only the place where we honor God. It's the place where we cultivate intimacy with Him. And we can pour out all, all our oil and not get any mail. And we end up trying to perpetuate something that is long gone. We will give ourselves continually to pray. They prayed regularly and they prayed continually. Beloved, the number one thing that is an obstacle to prayer in the local church is leaders do not lead in the place of prayer. We had a gathering of 500 prayer and missions leaders in Kansas City in December. 
We had roundtable discussions for two days. And various conclusions came out of that meeting. And one of the questions we asked is, how can we sustain a culture of prayer in the church? And the number one answer was, the leaders have to lead us. They have to lead by praying. They have to lead by financially investing in prayer. And they have to lead by making space and time to pray. David did that. Nehemiah in his day says he contended with the leaders of Judah. Och Nehemiah i sin tid han förstod att han kan lite grann med Judasledarna. Because the Levites had gone out to the fields to work instead of stayed in the temple to pray. Leviterna hade varit ute på marken för att jobba istället för att vara i bönetemplet. Because the leaders had not made it a priority. För att ledarna inte har gjort det som en prioritet. They were not investing their time and their money and their energy in the place of prayer. De ville inte investera sin tid och krafter i i detta här med bön. Prayer was prioritized by the leaders. So, quickly, I'm going to cover some of this in a few other sessions. But secondly, prayer was corporate and united. There was personal prayer of the apostles. But the majority of descriptions of prayer of the early church was they prayed together. Men de flesta beskrivelserna av bön i Jerusalemet var alltså fälles bön. Acts Luke 24, they prayed in the temple. I Lukas 24, där var de samlade i templet. Acts 2:46, they were in the temple together. Apostlarna i 246 så står att de var. Acts chapter 2 verse 1, they were together in one accord. Vi tror igen att står att de var samlade i en accord. Acts chapter 4:28, they lift their voices together. Acts chapter 12, they were together in Mary's house. We don't like praying together in the West. Because when you pray together, you've got to confront people who you have problems with. That's why Jesus gave us Matthew 18. We all know Matthew 18, if your brother sins against you, go and confront him. Do you know why Jesus gave us that principle of confronting and addressing issues we have? It was because later on in the chapter, he says, if two and three of you agree together, I will do it. And how can you agree together on the earth if you have barriers between you? The requirement of corporate prayer forces the issue of reconciliation between the brethren. Ja, det här med fälles bön, det frambringar eh, en sak nämligen att med att du måste vara i, i enighet samman. It's not just about being together in one room. Det handlar inte bara om att vara samman i i i enighet i ett rum. It's about being of one heart and one mind. Det handlar om att du bara vara ett hjärta och ett sinne. One heart and one mind. Ett hjärta och ett sinne. It's about 
what the psalmist says in Psalm 133. How good and how pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. It's about praying together and living together in unity. And it says when we have that kind of dwelling together in unity. It says this, it's like the oil on Aaron's head. Aaron was the priest. The anointing rests upon the priests in the context of dwelling together in unity. The effectiveness of the priests depends on the anointing. And the anointing is released on the priestly ministry of prayer. When we dwell together in unity. And it says in that place, God commands the blessing. How many of you want God to command the blessing over the church in Norway? You know, we think, well, the blessing in prayer is we bring heaven to earth. No, the greatest blessing is where there's that unity and God actually commands the blessing. We agree with one another and we agree with heaven and it releases an unrestrained blessing He's looking for us to come in united prayer. The reason, the number one issue that the apostles kept having to confront in the book of Acts den første saken som vi var til de, they had to confront a particular issue. Ja, de måtte konfrontere en speciel sak. And it was the issue of division. Og det var den her saken som vi kom til å spi. There was an issue that threatened division in Acts chapter six. Det var en sak i Apostlenes seks som truet enheten. And there was an issue that threatened division in Acts chapter fifteen. Og i kapitel femten så var det en sak som truet enheten. And they were relentless in coming together to address the issues between them as brothers. Because they knew that if those issues weren't addressed, their prayer would become less effective. And the gospel would become less effective. Okay, I'm going to really promise I'm going to quick through these ones. Yeah, 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 okay. Yeah. Number three. Number three. Okay, so number one, prayer was a priority. So number, one, number two, prayer was corporate and united. Number three, prayer was structured and regular. Now we charismatics don't like those two words, do we? Structured and regular. We could deliver from that. Beloved, the early church prayed in a way that was structured and regular. I'm going to give you a little insight. 
Structure is not the enemy of the flow of the Holy Spirit. Structure is not the enemy of spontaneity. Structure is the permission giving mechanism that allows the flow of spontaneous. I'll give you a, a very clear illustration of this. Imagine someone says, we're going to meet sometime. It's not very helpful, is it? <laughs> How many of you came to this meeting because you want to experience more of the Spirit of God? There's a reason you're all here at 10 o'clock in the morning. Because there was a structure to the meetings that happened this week. The structure of the time of the meetings is the framework through which the Spirit can move. If you are going sailing, what do you need to go sailing? The wind. Okay. How many of you know you can't create the wind on your own? But you can position yourself to catch the wind when it comes. It's called raising the sail. There's a lot of believers waiting for the wind but not raising the sail. And the Lord is saying there is a structure through which I will blow and cause you to go further together. For the early church it looked like this. They had times of prayer and they had places of prayer. They had a time to pray. Acts chapter 3, at the hour of prayer, Peter and John went to the temple. This was not about religion. It was about hunger and schedule. If you have a value of prayer, you have to have a structure in which to express that value. If we do not schedule times of corporate prayer, times of corporate prayer will not happen. If we don't have at least a simple model when we come to pray, we will spend our time being offended with that person who hijacks the microphone. We will come offended with that person who prayed about I have no idea what they prayed about. Because we're weak and broken trying to pray together. And what a clear model and structure does, it gives us permission to flow together as a whole team. If we know instinctively what happens next, we can actually focus on hearing the voice of God. We can focus on what the Spirit is saying. 
And Kansas City, we go 24-7. We have a very structured model. We have a structured model. We call it the harp and ball model. We call it harp and ball. It's, it's out of Revelation chapter 5. It's about worship and intercession and how they flow together. But we have clear structure because we change worship teams every two hours. Now we have people joining and leaving the worship team all the time. How many of you know how to drive a car? How many of you in the early days of driving a car you were focused on changing the gear and the the the, the structure of how the car worked? How many of you have been driving for years ever think about what gear you're driving in? You see, once you have learned the basic functions of the car, you enjoy the drive. And so we have a structure that gives us permission to enjoy the ride. At the very basic, it's a time and a place. You want to have prayer meetings? Make a time. It will not happen unless you treat it as a real appointment. I don't know that just as a principle. If you don't schedule it, it will not happen. As leaders who say it's a priority, where is it in your schedule? Is it something you can skip on or do you treat it as a real appointment with the King of Kings? Because if you had an appointment with the king of Norway, you wouldn't skip it because something came up. The apostles did not skip it. And it positioned them for all kinds of cool things to happen. Okay. Fourthly, prayer was persistent and continual. They didn't give up until the answer came. Sometimes the reason we get discouraged in prayer is because we don't think the answer has come. There's this subtle lie that has crept in. But if we really pray by faith, we don't have to keep on asking. But real prayer by faith does not require persistence. Jesus said the very opposite. In Luke 18, he says, I want you to pray and not give up. He says, the kingdom will break in if you pray and don't give up. Why did he say that? Because he knew we had to persist and he knew we would want to give up. You know, your prayer today may be answered in 10 years' time. 
Daniel was told 21 days after he prayed. Daniel blev fortalt att 21 dagar efter det var. Your voice was heard on the first day, but the answer only came now. Uh, din röst blev hört på den första dagen, men svaret fick du någon. He wants us to be persistent. Until the answer comes. Kommer. One of my favorite examples of this is the prophet Elijah. En av favorita exemplen mina på detta fält är He knew it was going to rain. He had the prophetic word. The Lord said, "It is going to rain." Now, what would the charismatic church do? We haven't got to ask for it. We've got to decree it. We have, we have so much to do. We have to pray, but we have just a piece of paper. It's already done in heaven. It's already done in heaven. What did Elijah do? What did Elijah do? He went into fervent, persistent intercession. Han gick in inträngande, utfallande förbund. The promise was sure, but it was not sure without his participation. Löftet var klart, men det var inte på någon måte klart utan hans deltagelse. He didn't just offer a thank you Lord for your promise. He went into travail. Han tillbörde bara ett tack herre för ditt löfte, men han gick in i kampen. Ah, he went into the childbirth position. Han gick in i den här fötselstillingen. Release the rain Lord. Because the principle of God's government is we can't do God's part but he won't do our part and he moves at the sound of our voice Isaiah 30 says he waits to be gracious to you Verse 19 says, he will move at the sound of your voice. He will be gracious when you talk to him. When you agree with him. Because you, re- you agree with him and it releases the promise. Many believers are living in days of unfulfilled prophetic words. Because they've not taken them to the place of continual persistent prayer. Elijah didn't just pray once. He didn't just pray twice. He went seven times. And he prayed when there was no sign of the promise. This was the early church. Prayer was continual and it was persistent. It was constant in prayer. I love Acts chapter 12. Peter's been arrested, he's in jail. And the church is gathered together at Mary's house. The angel shows up. Peter gets set free miraculously. He knocks on the door. And the girl opens the door. And then she closes it again and says, wait a minute, we're having a prayer meeting for you to be released. They were praying through. And they kept, they were constant in prayer. They were going for it. It was continual. I encourage you, study the book of Acts and notice the number of times it says continued or continual in context of prayer. Mm-hmm. 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 Mm
ser uh, alle de gangene det der står vedvarende fortsatt. Fifth one. Punkt fem. And I can't prove this. Jeg kan ikke bevise dette. But I believe it was there in the book of Acts. Men jeg tror at det var der i påstillingen. Prayer was musical. Bønnen var musikalsk. Prayer was musical. Det var musikalsk. There was singing in the prayer meetings. Det var sang i bønnemøtene. It says they were praising and blessing God in the temple. Det står at de lovpriste og velsignet Gud i templet. Why do I think it was a, a part of their prayer life? Hvorfor tror du at det var en del av deres bønneliv? Because Paul encourages the saints in Ephesus to sing and make melody in their hearts to God. Fordi at Paulus anbefaler de troende i hellige Ephesus å synge ut. In Ephesians 5.19 he says, pray and sing. Fordi at i Ephesians 5.19 så sier han, be og syng ut. At the very least it was worship based prayer. I det aller minste så var det i alle fall tilbedelsesbasert bønn. There is a power in music to facilitate unity in prayer. When you sing prayers, you can all sing the same old song. Når du synger, du prisning, så kan du synge en sånn sang. When we sing worship songs, Når vi synger, there's automatic unity in our prayer. Så er det automatisk enighet i vår The number one aspect, by the way, of Jewish prayer was praise. It was unique in the in the prayer ministries of all the religions was the praise in Jewish prayer. When we sing worship songs, we are agreeing with truth about God. Honor is yours, blessing is yours, praise is yours. So it's musical prayer. Så det var musikalsk bønn. Sixthly, nummer seks. Prayer was mission. Bønnen var, hadde et oppdrag. Missional. Hadde mission. No, it was connected to missions. Ja, ja. Bønnen hadde med misjoner. Oppdraget. Doors to the nations were opened in the place of corporate prayer. Dører til nasjonene ble åpnet gjennom helvete. And historically, this has been the this has been the model. The modern missions movement was started in a prayer meeting in Moravia. Do you know the gospel to the Gentiles began in a prayer meeting by an unbeliever? 
Vet du att evangeliet till hedningen började i Bönderom? His name was Cornelius. En vant till hedning som heter Cornelius. And he was told your prayers have come as a memorial before the Lord. Och han fick besked alltså om att dina bönder har stegat upp och blivit huskat för Gud. Because of the prayers of that man, the door was open for the gospel to go to the Gentiles. Och genom att den mannens bönder så blev alltså dörren öppnet för evangeliet till hedningen. The first mission to the Gentiles by the church was birthed not in the initiative of man, but in a prayer meeting where the Spirit gave the initiative. In Acts chapter 13, Antioch was a praying church. As they ministered to the Lord with fasting, it was an IHOP. So what is on our house of prayer? House of prayer. Yeah, yeah. Can't sit in the bedroom. If you were to ask, what do they do at Antioch? So you come to this place. What are they doing at Antioch? And they pray and fast all the time. They pray and fast all the time. That's what the leadership team did. It was not the congregation as a whole that's featured in Acts 13. It was the main apostolic leaders. The apostles, prophets, and teachers ministered to the Lord with fasting. And the Lord said, "Set apart Paul and Barnabas for the work." And then it says, "Okay, we'll do it, Lord." Okay, we start this early. But we've been praying fast some more before we end. The mission strategy came from heaven through prayer. Mission strategy came from heaven through prayer. It was not they had a meeting and a human strategy came forth. They had a prayer meeting and the Spirit spoke. And then there's an interesting phrase in, in, in Acts chapter 13. Being sent out by the Spirit. Beloved, when we have a missions movement that is sent out by the Spirit, we will have the Spirit go with us. Beloved, we need to have a Spirit-led mission strategy. Spirit-led mission strategies are birthed in the place of corporate pressure. I have a friendship with one of the leaders of Youth with a Mission globally. I have a friendship with one of the leaders of Youth with a Mission globally. He and his wife were on a personal retreat a few years ago. Og han og kona, de var på sådan en personlig retreat retreat for nogle år siden. He leads all of YWAM's evangelistic campaigns worldwide. Ja, han leder da predikantene og evangelistiske kampanjer verden rundt. And he was on a retreat with his wife, seeking the Lord for the next season. Og de var ute på en retreat og søkte Gud for den neste steget. And he and his wife one morning spent time alone in different rooms in this condo. Og han og kona, de tilbrakte da tid en morgen i hver sine rom. And the Lord spoke to him. The internal audible voice of the Lord. I mean, indre hørbar stemme. If it's not the house of prayer, it's not my house. 
He went to his wife. He said, the Lord spoke to me, honey. She said, oh, the Lord spoke to me too. He said, well, you look first and I'll, then I'll share. She pulled out a piece of paper. If it's not the house of prayer, it's not my house. <laughs> and the Lord spoke to them that the greatest missions movement on the earth is going to be birthed. As the church becomes a praying church. This has been the pattern since the early church. Prayer was missional. Finally, number seven, that prayer was weak, but it was Most of our prayer experiences, we don't feel the anointing. Here's the good news. Our prayers are offered in weakness. But they ascend before the thrones of power. Every single time. We don't know what to pray. But the Spirit helps us in our weakness. The Spirit lays hold of our weak prayers. And sends them like an arrow to the heart of God. Beloved, your prayer may be as weak as water in your eyes. But every time, it touches the early church did not give up when they felt unanointed. I want to tell you something, that first prayer meeting, it felt unanointed. In Acts chapter 1, it felt really unanointed. They couldn't even sing with the Spirit. Because the Spirit hadn't been poured out yet. I mean, that must have felt so weak and so hard. Jesus had been taken from them. They were excited because the Holy Spirit was coming. But they were still over a week in a prayer meeting together. It got so unanointed, they played, played Choose the Twelfth Apostle for a little while. Yeah. <laughs> you know that game? Throw the dice, and where it lands, he's the apostle. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> but it was a weak prayer meeting. But it released fire from heaven. Beloved, unanointed prayer, God hears. In Acts chapter 12, James had just been killed by Herod. Peter was about to be killed by Herod. It was a season of persecution. They were praying and they did not even believe that their prayers were being heard. You know the story I just told you? You know, they're praying together. On the door, knock on the door, Peter comes. 
Die Banken als Verlorenheit herbekommen. Why? Because their prayers been affected. They're praying for Peter's release, it says. So an angel comes, sets Peter free, gets him through the prison doors, takes him back to the church. He knocks on the door. Hi, it's Peter. The little girl goes, hey, Peter's at the door. No, it can't be Peter. We're having a prayer meeting for Peter to be released. <laughs> In other words, they had no confidence in their prayer being heard. They were feeling so weak. No, no, it's really Peter. No, it must be his angel. But they had more confidence it was Peter's angel than it was Peter. And well, his angel keeps showing up, but you know, Peter's not going to show up because he's in prison. But God answered their weak prayers. Beloved, Peter, sorry, Paul and Silas are in prison. How many of you have ever been in a prison sentence in the spirit? Or in your life you've been in a prison sentence. Spiritually speaking or even physically speaking. Those are not the times you feel anointed in prayer. Those are not the seasons you enjoy praying. At midnight Paul and Silas are in prison singing hymns. The rats are running around. The hands are in the chains. But the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. The earthquake comes. The prison doors are open. Because in weakness, when they didn't feel like it, they offered the sacrifice of praise. And the whole family of the jailer was saved. Why is it? We're supposed to pray when it's hard, when it's unanointed. We're supposed to pray when we're scared under persecution. And we're supposed to pray when we don't feel like it. But if we lift our weak voice, heaven will answer. Because as in heaven, so on the earth. If we choose to agree with God, if together in unity we choose to take time to agree with God, when we don't feel like it, when we don't feel anointed, our weak prayers touch heaven and heaven. Because God has designed prayer as the governmental strategy. For God has that Our primary function as God's people, is to govern on the earth. We're called to be kings. Mm. But we're a kingdom of priests. You see, we're called to the place of government. Daniel chapter 7, it says thrones were set in place. 
Det står i Daniel kapitel 7 att tronen blev satt på plats for the government of the nations. På eh, regeringen på nationen. Those thrones are where saints are called to sit. De troner är där som de helige är kallade till att sitta. Seated in heavenly places at the right hand of Christ. Satt i himmelska städer med Kristi högra hand. But here's the secret. Men här är det. Those thrones are placed around the throne of God. De troner är placerade runt Guds tron. And we're called to govern from the place of being priests. Och vi är kallade till att regera ut i prästerna och vara med att vara präster. I believe the 24 elders in the book of Revelation represent the saints before the throne of God. It represents our position before the throne of God. We're positioned as kings, but we govern through worship. It says those, those kings had their crowns on, but it was as they cast their crowns before the throne of the white God went forth. We were created to reign and bring the kingdom of God on the earth. From our identity as priests. As we agree with God. His house will be a house of prayer. The name of the church is the Ecclesia. It was the name in Greek that was used for a political governmental assembly. When we gather together in prayer, we are gathering together in the place of kingdom government. When you offer thanksgiving and praise, when you offer agreement with what God wants to do, you are operating in the place of government. You may feel tired. You may feel unanointed. You may feel just not like doing it. You feel just not like doing it. But when your prayers are sent, they touch the heart of God. Heaven comes to earth. In the 1990s, Mike Bickle, who leads the House of Prayer in Kansas City, he showed up at a 6 o'clock prayer meeting one morning. And he got out of his car. And he heard the most amazing he was like, there must be tons of people in that prayer meeting. He was a few minutes late. He was a bit irritated because the sound was so loud. He thought they need to turn that sound system down. He could hear what sounded like choirs. Like orchestral music. He opened the door to the prayer room. There was one person on a guitar. And there was another person falling asleep in the corner. He said, did you turn the music down? They said, no, we're late. We haven't even started the prayer meeting yet. Mike was so filled with faith. He said, this is going to be an 
Rafinha. He said that prayer meeting was the most yeah. oppressed prayer meeting he'd ever been in. <laughs> <laughs> oppressed. Oppressed. He felt more depressed coming out than he was going in. He said, Lord, what were the choirs about? The Lord said to him, that's what happens every time you get the That's what happens in heaven when my people pray on the earth. He says, your prayers are offered in weakness. But they are sent with power before my God. Beloved, when we get the revelation that the early church had, we will embrace prayer as a priority. We will make the commitment to pray together. We will make place in our schedule to pray together. We will continue to pray until the answer comes. We will worship him with singing. We'll seek our mission strategies in prayer rather than in committee meetings. And even when we don't feel like it, because there's only one way in which the fire stays on the there's only one way in which the presence of God grows in our midst. We continue to put the sacrifice in prayer. The sacrifice of agreement. Upon the altar. The Lord is raising up his house of prayer. It's not about the ministry. It's about the pattern of how he wants his church to function. Night and day prayer is not extreme. It's our invitation to see the earth filled with the praise and the agreement with Jesus. Let's stand together. I believe the Lord specifically this morning is calling his people who are leaders. This issue of the priority of prayer in our lives is foundational to the anointing in our own lives. As foundational to the presence of the Lord in our ministries. As foundational to the mission strategies of the Holy Spirit. He's calling us again to the place of prayer. Privately and publicly. I believe one of the things the Lord's calling us as men in particular to do is to be priests in our families. To lead our spouses in the place of prayer. And to lead our children in the place of prayer. Because what a man is in private in his own home, he will be in public with the people of God. I 
And I believe he's saying, will you make it a priority? Even if one other person joins you, will you take a stand? Will you take a stand to be a priest in your home? Will you take a stand to make it a priority of the household of God? If you're saying, I am signing up to do this, not to turn my church into a house of prayer, ministry, but to give myself to praying together with others for the kingdom. I want to invite you forward. I want to pray for the grace of God to rest upon you. Whether you're a leader or not, if you're saying, God, I have to do this at another level. We say, God, we want to make prayer our priority. 
What greater privilege do we have than being priests of the Lord? Priests of the Lord. Arise, priests of the Lord. Minister before him. Burn before him. Offer fire before him. Come like fire on the side. Spirit of grace to pray. Spirit of supplication, God. Fire of God, come. My house will be a house of prayer, says the Lord. Or it's not my house. Fire of God, come. Fire of God, come. God, come. It takes God to love God. Det trengs for Gud for oss til Gud. Hei, Gud.
This message is a classic message you, you've heard. You know, there's a small group here this morning, maybe 50 people. And I know that we can all be affected by this. But I was just thinking, what an incredible honor and privilege for young people to hear this kind of message at your age. This is absolute gold. This is, this is the kind of message that can put a track down to the rest of your life. I hope you took notes on it. I hope it's recorded. To get these, these revelations into you. What a word from the Lord. And, and, and we can all take it. But friends, may we be doers and not hearers. The question is, what are we going to do with it now? So Lord, help us. Give us grace to put structure into place. Give us grace to be, be sent out by your spirit so we're accompanied by your spirit. Father, we just choose again to pray for different nations around the world today. Father, again we pray for the, a revival fire to hit Scandinavia. Let light shine in a dark place. Father, we pray that there be reconciliation among leadership. So that our prayers would not be hindered. Grant a spirit of humility, Lord. To drive this church forward with humble leadership. Father, again, we do stop and pray for the peace in Ukraine and Russia, Lord. Surely the, the world is shaking once again. And Lord, here we are, brothers and sisters in Europe, Lord. And we ask for peace of this day. We pray for the hearts of those who are in leadership, making decisions. Prime Minister Yatsenuk. President Putin. All those advisors and military leadership. We pray for a spirit of reason and a sound mind to reign. Lord, you are the Prince of Peace and you want people to live in peace. And so we declare peace to those that border area now today. Especially in the Lugansk and the Donetsk and the southeast region, Lord. Father, bring calm and peace in Jesus' name. And we pray that you cause a revival to, to move into Ukraine and Russia because of these events. We pray that people would call out to the, the, the God of peace, the God of reconciliation. 
Lord, we pray that there be room for the gospel in these days. In Jesus' name. Yes, Lord. And come upon Europe, Lord. Lord, we pray that you would grant it that fire revival that, come, that you've promised. That many people have seen. Come, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Is this, uh, is this going to be on your website? Or do you know what this is? Or how do you, 